Okay, it is now recording. Okay, hey everybody. Hey Chris, good to see you. Good to see you. All right. Hey Alex Simmons, how are you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you how I am. Folks, if you've been listening, you know that um, we had an idea and we, we promised that we were going to do this. Uh, Chris has been going through a lot of changes with his career, going from being a full-time teacher and part-time writer to a full-time writer. He's been really pursuing that diligently. And we prepared this episode to really allow, as, as he put it, to be Chris-centric, to really allow him centric, yes. to go, yes, to go deep into some detailed information about what it's like for him, some of the trials and tribulations he's had to face, decisions, hardcore decisions he's had to make. And Chris, right. we recorded that that episode with you making those hardcore decisions, right? Is that yes. what you did? Yes. Damn straight. Right. And then <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, let me give the rationale for why we did this. We thought it would be interested, interesting to those who are going through their own decisions, you know, and and uh, why am I doing this and how am I going to do it? And, you know, am I going traditional route? Am I going independent route? And as you know, now I'm kind of doing both at the same time. And um, we would update, I guess, over the last two years or so, you know, so it became like, you know, uh, the, the days, the days of our writer, you know. <laughs> so um, it it seemed like we had made some uh, big decisions, and we wanted to talk about the journey so that people would feel one, they're not alone when they feel frustrated, and two, you know, what's it kind of like, and what kind of questions I had to answer for myself. Right. And, and we did this. We did this. We yep. did it. We finished it. Yes. We're ready to post it. Yeah, and then yesterday I called you and said plot twist. <laughs> so listen to the episode, and then we'll come back and talk about the plot twist. Exactly, because sometimes the plot does twist in all kinds of directions. So you know, when you least expect it, you're elected. You're to start now. Anyway, okay, so here we go. Hey, look, it's Alex Simmons. Yeah, yeah, you know, I thought I'd come back again because this this episode, this, yes, not this the one, one before this or the one before that, but this episode. This one. 224, baby. I get to crack open the Chris Ryan cranial nut and, and, and dig in there for some, some uh, material that you have uh, discussed with me off mic but I think would be useful. I mean, as, folks, if you've been following the show, you'll know that Chris has been on not only a writer's journey, i.e. can I write this or I want to write this, but he's also been doing rewrites and reviewing and revising his approach to his entire wordsmith career. And I think a number of these challenges of Hercules uh, would be useful to share with not only emerging writers, but of course, a lot of the writers who listen to this show, also people who've been at it for a while. And it's, sort of, it's sometimes nice to know, oh, it's not just me. Okay, or hey, that might be useful. So we're going we're gonna to look at some of the challenges that you've dealt with uh, over the past cool. uh, few months, if you want to say it that Actually, way. Actually, it, it starts years ago. Well, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> it does in terms of where you... From, from what cliff you leaped. <laughs> yes. And then even the wake up call was years ago. And I had, a, I mean, it's been soul searching all the way through. So is this going to be know? the Chris Ryan time machine voyage that we're going to go on this uh, time? Right? Yeah. Which is, <laughs> I tell you, it's a lot. Doesn't go less, back as far as mine, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, and it's also less colorful, man. You don't, we don't have all these celebrities mm. and, you know, you go and here's this show, here's that movie. We go into black and white. We go into Technicolor. We yeah, go into yeah. Sense Around. Oh, when wow. We're in the Alex Simmons uh, time machine. This is just you going like, you know, slightly younger Chris Ryan. Not quite as young Chris Ryan. Yeah. Slow, dawning dread Chris Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, don't let them fool you. Uh, the trip will be well worth the adventure. So let's let's get started. There's a lot of 
teachable moments. Yes, <laughs> let's let's get started. There was right. uh, actually let me start it this way. Uh, there was a there point a when time. I met Chris Ryan. When I met Chris Ryan, and he was at the time, and I did not know this. He was at the time uh, as a functioning journalist on a small uh, Bronx newspaper. Um, but he was also at the time that I met him talking to me and an associate of mine by the name of Barbara Barlow about writing plays for uh, challenged kids, challenged youth here in the Bronx. Yeah. And Barbara, God bless her, <laughs> uh, as Chris likes to put it, was not necessarily that impressed. She was not impressed with me at all. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very clear that she uh, even gave me an audience because she was friends with my older brother, Barney. Yes. And she, it, it, she really gave me the impression that that was as far as she was willing to go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, want, I want you to get this because, you know, Chris is going, but you know, I want to write, you know, for the kids and you guys and all this. Mm-hmm. And she's going, mm-hmm. so he goes, Chris, as you love to say, I'm going to well, abbreviate this. You know, I'm not, teachable I'm moment number because, one. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want you to, to tell that story. No, I just no, want to introduce no, that no. story. Teachable moment number one, you know, writer's right, you know. Right, exactly. So when she wasn't into me, I said, well, looked around and I, what, what do you have, a, what do you have a lot of props of? And she said, hats. So I wrote a play in which the kids had to wear hats and become the job that those hats were. And they had to fight a potentially demonic uh, chalkboard. And there you go. <laughs> and, and, and if there's any video of that particular production, we want to see it. Uh, I but think again, it's somewhere on YouTube. Yeah, it might be. So again, that was Billy the Wizard and the Evil Eye. That was the beginning of the friendship with Chris Ryan. And from well, that, the point was that so many other Barbara's... things. He's not going to let me get through this intro, well, is he? He's just on. not going it... to. It... You're, you're the, not going to let me get point, through it. And he said at the beginning wait, of this, wait, wait, how do you want to go with this? Okay, well, okay, you can't leave them. You can't leave them hanging. It yes, I can. I absolutely perception. can. So we have more machine, more material for the next episode. But go ahead, go uh, ahead, go ahead. It it changed Barbara's uh, opinion, and then she forwarded the play to you. That's how we met. Okay, and then so, <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. all. I just. I proved, you know, and that's your teachable moment. Don't don't take no for an answer. Yeah, there go you go. And show them what you can do. There Check you go. Check this out. Bam. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so you're in the driver's seat. That was again for a moment. It's it's like one of those cars with the dual driving and get and and brake pedals. Okay. So so Chris, from that moment, from that little moment in time, all those years ago. Chris was pursuing writing as, as his goal, you know, and you became a teacher. Uh, was it, was it middle school or high school first? Uh, I was an award-winning reporter and then I became a middle school teacher in the Bronx and then a middle school teacher when we were going to have kids. I wanted no, to no not, not Chris and I, not Chris and I. Chris yes. got married. That's the truth. Interim. Now it can be told. Chris got married Mr. in the interim there. Hang Alex on here. Now, now Tina, <laughs> Tina. Okay. Chris got married in the interim there and moved to New Jersey. Okay. But, yeah. And then we wanted to be on the same road. So then I became a middle school teacher in New Jersey and then very quickly became a high school teacher for a quarter of a century. <laughs> right. There you go. Which which he has just shifted. But right. before we get there, at along that journey, right. aside from writing for, you know, Bronx Creative Arts for Youth and and we eventually Chris and I started working more together and he started right. writing uh, blackjack material as well, right. which is my own creation. We won't talk about that right now. And then stand-up comedy, skit, sketch comedy, uh, right. the film Right. Blah, blah, blah. All of that, all of that going and and books, short stories and, and uh, novels. And I remember when you first decided to do this trilogy about the two detectives. Trilogy of the Rings. The yeah, well, yeah, right. As opposed to Lord. Um, and one of them was called City of Woe. Yep. And then right. there was a theme. Right so like City of Woe, you City YouTube of, people. Yeah, City of Sin and City of it was going to be, uh, and then um, City of Woe, City of Pain, and then City of Love. 
city of love has yet to be written right uh, because we went on this journey right so he wrote city of woe and he wrote city yes. of pain right yes yes he wrote them and he yes. and actually finished them and he actually then leaped off the cliff into self-publishing right yep um i wrote city of woe as my Loose, let's use the term loosely, senior thesis, right? Uh, uh, while I was at grad school at Rutgers studying writing and all that. And I won the um, Rutgers University, Rutgers Newark um, English Department Award for Highest Distinction in Literary Studies for the original version of that, um, which was like 500 pages long. So I won that award. And then 500, no, you can't submit a first um, novel 500 pages long so I knocked a lot of it out and then um, it won the Ben Franklin yeah um, best new voice in fiction award and then a um, um, a radio uh, guy who spoke about books for a living invented an award and gave it to City of Woe because he loved it so much. Um, and this so, was how, how many years ago? About 10 years ago, okay. maybe 10 to 12. Okay. Um, but at that time, the gates, you know, the gatekeepers were closing the gates in traditional publishing. And um, this rebellion was going on with independent publishing. And uh, yeah, I got, I got seduced into independent publishing yeah Uh, well you know when you went to those initial conferences in one year it went from uh traditional publishers publishers showing up and saying uh, you'll never uh be a professional writer if you go indie and then the very next year they were like uh yeah those people aren't here this year because you you don't need them anymore (laughs) and that was that was intriguing to me yeah you know yeah um so I did take the plunge, you're right. Right. And, and I took the plunge for four novels. Yes, yes, he did. And and wrote all and produced, uh, pr- published all. Yes. And then had, what would you call it, an epiphany? Dark what night would you of the call soul. it? A I dark would call it a dark night of the soul. Uh, my writing has Batman. gotten... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my writing has gotten stronger and um, over 10 years yeah and i believe in the stories especially these four novels city of woe city of pain genius high and a simple rebellion and what happened to the indie publishing industry is that it kind of went from the wild west to pay for play and which means that everywhere that people were getting traction in their independently published uh, novels, you know, Facebook, if you put something up on Facebook, it would go to every one of your followers. So while I was uh, developing a large number of followers organically, you didn't want to go artificially where some service just throw people on who didn't care about what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, Twitter and Insta and all that stuff those companies were turning around and saying, well, let's turn off that switch. And instead of the 5,000 or so followers that I had, it would go to maybe 200 unless you paid Facebook for an ad or this or that. All right. That's business. You know, it's frustrating, but it's business, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the same time, at conventions, at this and that, I was finding um, that people were reluctant, even if you um, set the price as very affordable, they were reluctant to take a chance on the books because they didn't say Bantam or didn't say Simon and Schuster or anything like that on the side. Uh, Joe R. Lansdale, who is a friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, at least he's granted an interview to the show. Um, <laughs> He one time at one of the conventions, he says, well, you know, you want to be vetted. You want to go and get vetted somewhere where someone else has spent money and said this story or this writer is worth publishing. Mm-hmm. So 
that was a revelation that, you know, what he was saying to me was, this is what's in your way is that you haven't been vetted, you know, like the great Alex Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, he is vetted to venerable status. He is a vetted award-winning writer. Uh, So when, you know, he walks down the street, the cement glows (laughs) around him because he's vetted. Okay. I'm not yet. So I have to walk like near him so it looks like I'm vet. Yeah, I'm vet. I feel like I should go have my, you know, my collar tightened or something. Going to the vet. So, okay. Go ahead. You were saying. So the idea was to become hyphenated, you know, a hyphen. So you're traditionally published and uh, independent. And uh, this is getting into the journey you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. No. In doing that, uh, um, two things happened. One, I did start getting published um, short stories and, and the like from traditional publishers. So that is being pursued. And then I looked at this work and I did some research. If, if you know, can you submit these to publishers? And, and the Meaning the work that you had already written yes. and already published. City of yes. Woe, City of Pain, Genius High, and A Simple Rebellion. Can you put those, you know, look, they're good. Here's the, nope, you cannot. The industry standard for the traditionally published is if you have published it independently, then it's published work. And they're not interested, especially the medium to big publications are not interested in that work because it's already been. Okay, now there's a couple of reasons for that. One Otherwise, they would get flooded the way independently published, like Amazon mm-hmm. publishes a thousand new books a day. You know, and it's just impossible for all those to be quality work. Mm-hmm. You know, I see some people on, and God bless you if you're on Twitter and you're this person. I haven't read you, so I'm sorry. You know, and don't, please don't take it personally. But when I, when I see people tweet that, Hey, I just finished my 23rd book and I look at them and they look 23, you know, I, I know that it takes longer than that to do really quality work. Now, maybe this person is a genius. And if so, you know, I wonder if she'd teach me, you know, um, you know, and and we have guys like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, different standards. So for me, for my journey, a second thing started happening. And that was that these books, City of Woe, City of Pain, Genius High, and A Simple Rebellion, I wanted to challenge the books by putting putting them through professional editor. Which is something that you had had not done before, is that you had edited the books? but they had and not I been had, in the hands right. of a professional established editor in the publishing right. industry. Okay. In my defense, I had gone through several beta readers, especially the police books, which is City of Woe and City of Pain, went through um, a professional who had had 20, 25 years in the NYPD. Mm-hmm. So that he beta read and made sure it was all vetted that way that it was mm-hmm. all um accurate Authentic. to what would happen in yeah. the nypd mm-hmm. and then uh two or three beta readers who had some kind of english background mm-hmm. librarian teachers stuff like that um and there was a lot of editing there and i rewrote a lot to make it better mm-hmm. but city world was a great story and um I studied at Yale. That's right. You're talking to a Yale student over here. Because I was at Yale for four days. Thank you. Four big ones. Wow. (laughs) Four big ones, baby. Uh, It was a a Yale uh, summer writing conference or internship, whatever it's called. And um, I won't say her name, but uh, one of the uh, authors who has broken through big in the last couple of years, she was my teacher, my main teacher there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things is you submit and then she has a one-on-one, right? So that's pretty standard for conferences. Mm-hmm. So I laid out this whole indie journey and she had read my work and she says, you can write. You, 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 
you can write at the professional level. And then she said, and this was the other moment of uh, revelation or, you know, when they supposed to, <laughs> cold water was splashed on my sleepy, dreamy life. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm, she said, I'm sorry this happened to you. Sounded like I had lost a leg. Yeah. You know? Wow. So I said, can you elaborate? And she said, the books you're talking to me about, and, the, you know, well, the reading I've had uh, and the books you're talking to me about are, they have good potential, but traditional publishing will never look at any of them. You kind of have to start all over and write new works and submit those traditionally. Mm-hmm. That was a lot to think about. So here are four worthwhile novels, in my view. And it's not ego. It's having gotten reviews on each of them. And one award. Uh, having, yeah. Having won some awards and that, and that kind of thing. So I had two decisions to make. You know, am I going to start again by writing new material that is going to go out the traditional way and see what we can do with it. And then what becomes of these four? Well, I looked into the, all the indie, there's a million books over here and all the indie teachers who are on podcasts, you know, and that kind Mm -hmm, of stuff mm -hmm. and conferences. And the one thing that I hadn't done that they all say is absolutely necessary was to put them through professional uh, editors. Mm-hmm. So that was the next phase, was to put them through. And uh, if you don't, as aspiring writers out there, if you don't work with an editor, scratch some money together and have that experience. Because um, it focuses you and it also improves the work. It serves the story. And, you know, we say that almost every mm-hmm. episode. So what so happened? That's, well, I went uh, first with City of Woe, and I changed about sixty percent of it, throwing out fat, and adding. Oh, I wound up bringing the antagonist up to the same level as the protagonist in the earlier draft. In the draft that, if you're watching on YouTube, the one that is behind me. You see the protagonist, or excuse me, antagonist in the first chapter. And you don't see him again until like the third act, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the results of his activities, but there's not really any development as to why. And um, now it's it, the chapters go back and forth and you get to see the evolution of all the characters. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> City of Woe, sorry, uh, winds up serving as the pilot for potentially two series. Uh, Mallory and Gunner, who are the protagonists of City of Woe. And City two of detectives, Pain. yeah. Two detectives in the NYPD, major case squad. Um, and they're kind of, it's kind of like Law and Order Supernatural, you know, or, <laughs> uh, or something like that, you know. Uh, very police procedural, but with that twist as, uh, you know, they catch all the weird cases. And um, now that you also see the antagonists, it's a it's a far more there's more of a supernatural element into this thing um but the stakes are higher the story moves uh, much more quickly so now it's you know it feels like a, a new novel so you know and i will talk about simple rebellion but a similar experience happened with that simple rebellion is a better written book but it ends in washington dc um and there's kind of a cliffhanger ending where you have to decide what's going to happen next, you know. But then January 6th happened. In reality in, here, right? Yeah. In reality, in the planet reality. Yeah. Um, and it changed the, the circumstances, whatever side of politics you're on. That was a day that is unlike any other day in Washington, D.C. history, uh, except for the Civil War. Um, and maybe 1812, right? Um, so the way this end of A Simple Rebellion was read changed dramatically because of January 6th. And my intentions could no longer be seen 
because of the the, the deep scars or the deep impact of that day uh, in, in our American history. So I was forced to really take a second look at that to to express what I was trying to express in the process working with a different editor but um, still professional editor we wound up uh, you know I, I I had learned a lot too you know working with you through Black Lives Matter you know and all the conversations we had on this show through that um, made me a little more sensitive to an African-American uh, character in a simple rebellion and um, talking to you about Blackjack's sister and um, what you, what she and could or could not allow Blackjack to do in her Southern community, mm-hmm. you know, because of the lasting impact deeply influenced my, um, my reading of that character in a simple rebellion and the Marines that uh, he gets involved with, after a bunch of African-American Muslim uh, 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 Marines. Um, and I won't go, there's more to it, but- Yeah, and, I, um, yeah, and please buy the book, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, it, <laughs> it's- Put that on out. It's right not out. available right now. And yes. we'll get to that at the end of the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I had to incorporate new awareness, new knowledge, um, so that it could be, um, believable, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, everything's heightened reality in mm-hmm. what I write, mm-hmm. but it still has to be believable. And then the ending had to be extended past uh, any possible uh, uh, misunderstanding based on January sixth. So a second experience with uh, editor um, Genius High went through. Uh, well, before actually, you go there, I just I just yeah. want to for for the sake of the audience. City of Woe, written, published, awards, recognition, um, and, I and, still and even a simple and, and even a simple rebellion, uh, written, published, well reaction, regarded, well yeah. regarded reaction, all of that established. So done, done, and right. done, right. and yet right. when after you went through this thought process and began to question certain things and and had the suggestions and reactions from these professional writers. Uh, that you mentioned, and you went back and and sat down with a professional editor from the publishing world. Mm-hmm. Those suggestions plus other influences affected how you saw the material. So you went through yet a more in depth rewrite right. of each piece, bringing you to where you are now. And and, and I know you were going to mention a, a third property. But well, I just let's focus on these two. That's yeah, that's what I was mean. that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. Let's just focus on these two. Sure. So what was first big question is what was it like for you to have to? I know you made the choice to do it, right? But you have to go back mm-hmm. and to do that kind of in-depth rewriting of something that up to a certain point, maybe somewhere in your mind had been finished right right um it's uh the decision was maybe a bit rebellious if this is gonna have to these works are gonna have to stay independent then they're gonna be the best they possibly can Mm -hmm. so that when the other stuff the traditionally published goes and they look people look for work i want to make sure you know uh that these they stand up to every the same quality. Bit, yeah, every yeah. bit, of the, the quality is there for everything that I write. So that was the challenge. And um, some of the stuff with today, well, well, first you, once you made that decision, and this is the, the teachable moment here is you have to decide to embrace rewrite. Okay, not endless rewrite. This is a lot of people could write in the comment section and say, dude, you're you're just making them so too precious. And if so, then perhaps you're right. Um, but for me, I was like, all right, this is I'm gonna make them so that in my most, you know, that 3 a.m. hour when your editor has control and say, Hey, you suck. I can say, I went through all the steps to make sure this stuff doesn't suck and that it is the best it can be shut up like that <laughs> so um 
So then I ran to, you know, um, Neil Simon, the great Broadway uh, uh, playwright. playwright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. One of the great things about his reputation, everyone who worked with him said, you know, that guy ran to rewrites. And he would always say, I know how to fix that. I know how to make it better. And that is the attitude that I consciously took into the editorial process. I'm going to work with this person and uh, I'm going to take my ego and put it in a locked box. I'm going to lock that box. I'm going to put a chain around it. I'm going to lock the chain. Then I'm going to put it in a treasure chest. I'm going to lock the treasure chest. <laughs> I'm going to drop it in I'm the going ocean. To bury that in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So that it is about the work. It is about the work. And that's what I did. And um, both editorial experiences, uh, they would come up and surprise me. They would say, you know, uh, this really works. But this here, you know, it could probably be half the size and would work better. Uh, That was just such a um, generously phrased editorial you know, you go to say, wow, man, you're overrating here. You suck here. And then that would just eat the ego. So yeah, I knew I was working with quality people in the editorial mm-hmm. uh, process. And I ran to those. Um, Let me just say here while you're thinking your next thought. It is imperative, folks, that when you are connecting with editors, if you have the choice, I mean, sometimes you, you get an assignment and the editor is already attached. But if you have the choice of who you work with as an editor, understand that their belief needs to be that I'm going to help you make this your best work. Right. And it's right. not their job to suddenly make your work look like they did it. That's not what right. this is about. Okay. No, neither of these people wrote for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both uh, women. So it wasn't like a boys club. Hey, yeah, cops blowing up stuff. No, no. It was all about you know, really different. That that would be a professional. Medication wearing off. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> okay go ahead Chris. Right. well i wanted to you know i want to make sure that they understood that yeah. it wasn't like you got your buddy you know mm-hmm. these people were strangers to me and they were hired because they were professional editors mm-hmm. and um they responded to the work because the work had something worthwhile in it and then they sought to uh strengthen the weak points uh, point out where things needed to be cut down or elaborated on um, and really vet that the story was working from beginning to end. Right. So um, I actually paid each of them to go through it one an extra time um, because, uh, you know, all right, so now I've done this writing. I want to challenge, I want you to challenge me to see if it if it if we reached our goal right if, if you met the um, mark right okay and i'm satisfied with both that what we have now are significantly different and improved takes on the same story and the reason i phrase that is that uh, a friend of the show the legendary teal james glenn you know uh, his, his one of the pieces of advice he gave me is you know if you rewrite it and change one thirty percent, it's a new novel. It's you know, and I've 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 wanted to get there, but I personally can't. Mm. You know, it is significantly different. I would say both of them are sixty percent different, but in my heart of hearts, they are the same. I'm telling the same tale. I'm just telling it better. Mm. So I can't, in good conscience deny that this existed that this never existed you know or that Mm -hmm. that this existed as an independent book so okay after long conversations with the wondrous tina uh these are going to go come back out as independent with different titles well we're going to talk about that in in a second but they're they're going to exist as they are and then i have things uh matter of fact one piece is finished um if you choose to ask about that later that's fine um and ready to go to market and uh the next project i'm doing is a a novel that is three quarters of the way done now and will go out to market uh traditionally and we'll have that experience but Mm -hmm. these are going to exist um in their best form um city of woe 
it felt so different that it felt wrong not to acknowledge the differences. So we went through, I am not lying, 11 different titles. <laughs> Where we were, I mean, I was write, writing drafts and there was a title on there that well, we would come with this. And um, for the longest time, a title that the editor had suggested, Everyone Pays, was the, was the working title. And one of the things that it kind of just kind of rubbed at part of my soul was that um, it doesn't, that, that title doesn't connect to the original inspiration for City of Woe, which was the to write a reference. modernized, well, it was a, a Dante uh, yeah. Allegari's uh, Divine Comedy, you know, right. Dante's Inferno, pa Purgatorio, Paradiso are the basis of City of Woe city of pain and city of love and i wanted something to just give a little wink just a little bit so um city of woe is now called hell to pay mm -hmm. so you got a little bit of that in there a little and, nod uh, to that yeah okay. a little nod of it and it, it just feels uh, a little a more, more marketable intriguing title, title. Yeah, yeah yeah and but understand that again teachable moment there is that i not this is not a parade for me but I'm hoping that it helps other writers that I, if something is bothering you about the title, listen to that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and don't worry about rewriting it again and again and again. City of Woe from the Rutgers project. Well, actually the first version of it was in college. The only one word exists still from that uh, undergraduate version. <laughs> At 500 pages? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, this was a, um, a treatment. Uh, I think it was 70 pages. And okay. then the only thing that lasted from there is the name Mallory. And then the 500 page, through all that, it has been rewritten 15 times. That's not my advice to writers. It was the process I needed. Your educational experience may have better prepared you to be a novelist these rewrites taught me or ha uh, helped me to teach myself what my standard was for a an acceptable novel to share with the world and I, i'm very proud of what hell to pay offers um it um it sends two sets of characters into potential series and, and I'm going to, I'm just going to quickly say that we're, we're getting close to the hour. Okay. So, but just, it's, you know, yeah. it's worth it. And same thing with a simple rebellion is now worth it. And it's not called a simple rebellion again, for the same reason. It is so different that it would be disingenuous to, to not give it. So it's now called the divine comedian mm. and um, that works. And you will see in the coming months, if you follow Chris Ryan writes on, on social media, which you, you will see um, as they are prepared to be released again, you'll see like cover reveals and all that stuff. The cover reveal for the, uh, the Divine Comedian is hilarious because <laughs> I went through, just like rewriting the novel, I went through images. If, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see a red, white, and blue type uh, field in the background and a fist like a power fist coming up under the words of simple rebellion. I still wanted to evoke America. The, that book is about all of that stuff that's dividing us now. And the, the question would be, what if that continued, where would we be in say 10, 20 years, 15, you know, 25 years. And it's not a pretty place. Um, and then it's an adventure of uh, a broken hearted man, finding life again, finding all reason to live again. So um, I wanted to depict that. And the convoluted way I got, it was the same kind of way, the path you take from overwriting to simplifying, to simplifying. And, and that's how you got to your What cover. are you trying to say? Yeah. So it's, you know, again, we learn everything we do. So, so to round this off, let, let us yes, hear from you, um, you know, in a, in a few sentences. What do you feel you've gained from this journey as a writer? 
Okay, as a writer. Yep. First as a writer. Doubts of, yeah, I don't have doubts about these books anymore. I don't. There's nothing about these books now that I think anyone should uh, look askance at. This is professional work, uh, vetted by editors, um, and they are going to go back on the independent market because I can't square it with my soul to tell publishers, no, it's brand new. Um, even after all the work I did, that's me. That's, you know, and that's, that actually answers the second question. What, what have you learned yeah. as, as a person, you know, right. uh, also, I know who I am. I know what kind of writer I am. I also know that the material I'm sending out traditional route it is worthy of their attention. So one of the uh, side effects of that is if I get re- a story gets rejected, I don't take it personally. Mm. You know, uh, in earlier in my career, it might have it might have stopped me. You know, when I was a teenager sending stuff out, oh wow, I suck. You know, or a college student, wow, they didn't like my stuff. You know, I got published. You know, little little things got published all through those mm-hmm. years. But now it's just like, okay, cool. Well, now it's how dare is, they not like my stuff? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's just like, I'm okay, kidding. that's I'm not kidding. for them. Well, it, again, I agree with you, but yeah. people would get like that. Yeah. It's just, all right, what other markets could this fit into? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a short story coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks or a couple of months that was rejected by uh, one anthology. And I, you know, turned around and I think I gave it a quick polish and sent it out to the second place and they were like yes so i'm more efficient now Mm. because i'm not you know oh my god it's not a spear to the heart every time you get a rejection it's just part of the business so i'm better all around a better pro good good thank you chris uh for sharing all of that and again the purpose you know both chris and i felt the same way when we were talking and and the idea came up let's 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 do this on the show is um, the, the road to freelance creative is just ripe with landmines and oh, yeah. booby traps and things like that. And a lot of them are things we set off in ourselves, we, you know, because we come from sometimes the imposter syndrome, thinking, oh, this, I, I'm, I'm fooling people into thinking I have this or I can do that. Or as Chris has been saying a, a couple of times during this uh, particular interview, um, you know, oh God, they, they, they reject this. So I must suck. I must be terrible. I must be bad because this person doesn't want it. Or that person doesn't want it. But, you know, as I said, a lot of the, those, those bear traps we set off. And then sometimes it is, as I warned earlier, because you get an, an editor or you get someone else in a position where they get to tell you how they feel about the work. And they're not, they're not viewing it through the lens of professional attempting to help another professional take a better look at the craftsmanship of their work, they're going, well, if I had written this, I would have done this. So there's a little of that out there as well. There's some ego out there as well. There's all these things. And really what you need to do, just like what Chris has done and many others have done, you take the hits, you get up, you go at it again, and you keep striving to get better and better and learn more and more so that you can pursue your goal, your dream, your ambition, your career choice, honestly and authentically, and um, hopefully obtain it for you. That is that is the big goal. And of course, throughout all that, serve the story. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, do we have time for one quick anecdote? A quick anecdote. Quick. Yes, we do. While we were one. writing, rewriting the Divine Comedian. Um, again, you were saying, don't let an editor tell you how to write your story. And this editor didn't. She was wonderful. But the last question I asked her was, okay, was there anything that you thought was too much? Any scene? And it was only then that she said, I was a little shocked by this scene because how far it went. It didn't sound like the rest of the book. Mm. you know and she's uh, and i went back and looked at it and she was she was right so i you know i was able to tune it down just a little so you know the wrong editor would say this is how this book has to be written and this Mm. is how i would write it that's not the editor you want to work for but you know 
you can ask an editor, you, you know, is there anything that stuck out is, mm, you know, yeah. like you're, when you're, when you're sanding wood, you know, you don't want that splinter out there. That's and, right. There you go. So every once in a while you can one more little tweak and it'll be better. Yeah. But there you go, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I think it was. Um, and I hope everybody else does. And please leave your comments. Let us know a, what you thought of this and B, if you have any questions that were not covered by this and we will attempt to jump back out there with some answers or certainly yes. help, you know, help look for them. Okay. Chris, as really. always a, a, a grand experience, a learning experience for me. Sir, I'm blessed to be in your presence. The great <laughs> Alex Simmons, legend of the free world. You know, I'm, I'm going to do is. this. I'm going to do this now. Now, Chris is constantly calling me legendary and all these other things. And I, and I, and I, enjoy you it. Are. I enjoy it to a certain extent, but I have to say that the measure of quality and dedication and compassion for the work is in you as well. And so please true. take a bow, take a bow. It's only Chris, a matter of time Chris, before they Chris, say oh, Chris has done the work. Chris Ryan. Chris, yes. Well, I, I can say it now. The legendary Chris Ryan. So there. <laughs> Take care, Chris. Peace, everybody. Keep writing. Tell your damn story. <laughs> okay, so that was the brilliant, decisive episode that we recorded. Yep. And we were so darn proud of it. Yes, we That's were. Correct. Yes. You know what was really great was that I had made such solid decisions. Yes, you know, based on after weighing of- everything, yep. my life was settled and I had made peace with my future. <laughs> and there was going to be no twists and turns ever again. No turning back, right? And yeah, then. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> man plans and God laughs. Yeah. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, one of the, 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 the best laid plans of mice and men. Out and writers, apparently. Yeah. yeah oh. So, um, so in our last thrilling episode, um, we, <laughs> we had, uh, what you just saw was that I had made a decision that the two novels that uh, were originally independently published, and uh, which I took off the market and worked diligently to improve Very with uh, two different professional editors, and um, they're in great shape now. But then everywhere I went, every turn I made, it was like, well the traditional public publishing industry will not even look at it because if you publish it independently, that's what it is. It's independently published. Mm-hmm. So I had taken this pretty cool course. Um, it was, you know, it was about the traditional uh, pathway and, and, you know, the importance of queries and how to query, how to write queries well and synopsis and all that. Um, and yet, you know, even there, I had heard you got there's no there's no room for you in the inn. <laughs> yes. You know, as far as those two, but we got this know, barn out back. Yeah, that's right. As long as those two, those two are going to stay independent, that's why you got that episode. But um, I got a call or uh, an email, and I had an exchange with uh, a person um, in the traditional world. And um, now I mean, I'm told different information. In the traditional world, a uh, well-established yeah. professional in the mm-hmm. traditional in, uh, publishing world, and now I'm told, yeah, that that rock-solid rule that you know independently published will always be independently published, and they won't even take a look at it. Mm. Yeah. Uh- Maybe you know, not. Rise rock. You know, you understand yeah. that, right? <laughs> it's like, mm, you know, mm. uh, there might be a chance. And so now all of those misgivings and doubts and wonders have resurfaced, surfaced. And you can't, I just can't rest until I give it a shot, you know? And then. My plan B is in place. I have I've designed new covers. I have my plan for promotion and all that sort of stuff. If it is to go that way. If it's supposed to go independent, you're ready to do that. Yes. But, but you know, Joe R. Lansdale said to me one time, he says, you know, being traditionally published, uh, the thing about that is that you're getting vetted. 
-hmm. someone in the industry is saying, yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I'll spend money on it. He goes, even if it's not a lot of money, someone is saying, yes, that's right. And, and there is a difference in the mm -hmm. eyes of the public. And, and the reason I'm fighting so much is because these are really good stories. Not because I wrote them, you know. Um, one of them has already won three awards. In its original incarnation, and you've now yeah. altered that to some degree. Yes, and it's I and I, I would I would swear on uh, your glasses that um, that it's a way better it's a yes. way better novel now it's a way better novel now so you know I could not could not rest if I didn't give it a shot so um, so the the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a lesson, is that the publishing industry is. Um, Decadent and depraved. No, um, is is like turbulent. <laughs> it's turbulent and it's a rough road and it's a rough industry. And the thing that keeps people writing is because it's when they feel correct. It's when they feel right. You know, if uh, best piece of advice I ever heard was, "Hey, if you can avoid writing, do that." Because it's it's rough, you know, and I, I would say the same thing with if you can avoid being a professional musician or a Broadway actor or a film actor or on anything with the arts, it's a long, hard road. But the reason can't. we're in there is because we can't leave it. Right. That's right. So, so look at Alex Simmons. He, you know, he stayed so long. They said, oh, you know what? We were wrong. He's a legend. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yeah, I I. I hear they're going to put an Alex Simmons statue, one in Brooklyn next to Captain America, and the other one down by Wall Street next to Fierce Girl. That's what I heard. Really? Um, well, it's better than by it's that. It's rumor. It's rumor. Thank you very much, because that makes mm -hmm. up another statement. But, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, folks, you've listened to uh, both of us, and you've listened to the episode. Uh, give it some thought. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, you know, drop them in the comment section. And please, 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 please uh, let us know what you think. Okay? Yes, and tune in next week for the next episode of As the Rewrite Turns. <laughs> like the sands of the hourglass. Yes, okay. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Right. Take care, Love Chris. you, brother. Peace, everybody.